It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching and whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912 268 23 2812-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available. Hey, Porky, is available uh, where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. I got to apologize. Uh, uh, I had a, a tooth pulled uh, last week, and uh, i tell you something. I'm having a hard time still uh, talking and stuff. Uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy. But uh, anyway, um, we are going to be talking about uh, some post-fight shows, uh, specifically the World Boxing Super Series uh, in a uh, uh, the final, the first World Boxing Super Series final final that we got. Uh, the first Muhammad Ali trophy awarded. Uh, we're also going to talk about the uh, post uh, uh, um, fights from HBO last night. Uh, Mungaya uh, has his first uh, world title defense. And I also want to talk about the heavyweight division a little bit. Uh, why I feel these guys should all just shut the F up and fight already. Jeez, I've never heard so much talking going on in, a, in one specific division uh, as uh, we've been seeing and hearing. Uh, from the heavyweight division. I'm also going to talk a little about the uh, streaming and uh, what we can expect. We talked about it uh, a little bit uh, last uh, time we were here um, and what it seems to be unfolding and, and even more uh, maybe regressing. I don't know. We'll talk about that. And then a couple of big fights that I want to preview, uh, at least uh, talk about a little bit uh, that are coming our way. Uh, next week, and uh, we'll be uh, doing some post-fight shows on those. But first, let's kick this off uh, with the uh, post-fight thoughts from the World Boxing Super Series final last night. Uh, took place in Russia. Uh, it was between uh, Alexander Zusik uh, going up against uh, Murat Gassiev, and uh, the end result, Yusik put on a boxing show, in my opinion, uh, beat uh, Gassiev. Uh, every single round, according to my scorecard, 120 to 108 is the way I scored it. Uh, I thought uh, Usyk 
uh, used his jab, his foot movement, uh, all at the center of the ring, by the way, uh, for everybody that's always uh, telling me, oh, you know, Billy C., you know, uh, oh, the sweet science is you hit and you don't get hit. Yeah, well, it's pretty good to see a big guy uh, like uh, Usyk uh, using uh, his footwork and his hands uh, to keep uh, Gassiev uh, off track and didn't run all around the ring. He kept circling around. Gassiev put on a great show. Joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, I thought that uh, Yusick put on uh, a boxing clinic. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I saw some good highlights of that. and some. I'll tell you what. Yeah, he, he was just, uh, as you suggested, he was in the middle of the ring. He was able to slip some punches, block some punches, avoid some of the shots, and he was able to deliver. And, yes, that is the sweet science right there. And he just was very authoritative with that jab. And let me tell you something. I, I think uh, it was a one-sided fight. You know, the thing that impressed me was uh, he didn't seem to slow down at all. Uh, Usyk... Uh, uh, had to, as far as I was concerned, uh, watching the fight from the first round uh, all the way uh, until uh, the final bell, he seemed that his energy level was there. Uh, Gassiev didn't have an answer, you know, uh, as much as Abel Sanchez was telling him. And and the one thing I respect about Abel Sanchez is he was telling uh, Gassiev uh, the the truth in the corner. He's going basically saying, "Listen, man, you're losing this fight." You're going to have to at least drop him uh, a couple of times. You're going to have to end him by the last round. He says, listen, you're not going to win this fight uh, unless you knock him out. And assuming that he would go all out, I thought that that 12th round was going to be a an all out, uh, you know, just uh, balls to the wall, if you will, uh, you know, lay it all on the line. I mean, he had no other opportunity to win that fight except knocking out uh, Usyk, and Usyk did exactly what he did in the previous 11 rounds, control the action with his jab, his footwork. Uh, it was uh, uh, a fight that I got to be honest with you. I, I would have loved to have seen a win by knockout. However, there was no way that anybody could have scored this fight for Gassiev. The way the judges officially scored it, one had it the same way I scored it, a complete shutout, 120 to 108, and the other two had it the same, 119-109, uh, giving Gassiev uh, the one round. He's now the unified uh, World Cruiserweight champion. He has all four of the major uh, belts, or at least, uh, wow. um, you know, uh, considering... Uh, uh, if you want to just, I, I can't, I, I like to count all, I like to throw the IBO in there, but he's now the WBA, WBC, IBF, and WBO world champion. And he's got the Muhammad Ali trophy, which is awarded to the World Boxing Super Series winners. And after the fight, he called out Tony Bellew, who's actually ranked as a heavyweight. So uh, what's your thoughts uh, as a unified cruiserweight champion? Is this going to help the cruiserweight division, at least here in the States, Sal? Well, you know, we were talking about that from the get-go of this uh, of this series of, of uh, tournament series, and you know, because it just seems that the 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 cruiserweight division has just had its its trials and tribulations and its lackluster kind of uh, exposure uh, or recognition, I should say. And uh, maybe this should help. I mean, the guy is a great fighter. He's a good champion. He's got all the belts. And, and let's see. Let's see the notoriety. Let's see what he could do. But here again, you know, it's so funny. He's a heavy, he, he's, he's a cruiserweight, and yet he might go after Bello, or Bello who, uh, who's a heavyweight. So, 
you know, it's 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 a funny weight class. It's a it, not funny, but it's it's just uh, the the like the wicked stepbrother that that uh, that doesn't get the the notoriety and acknowledgement that uh, I believe they deserve because it's a great division. It's right in between. Uh, of course, light heavyweight and heavyweight, and uh, I think it could be a real beefed up, no pun intended, um, uh, division full of great talent. Uh, you know, but we've got to keep the 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 cameras and the, and the good fights coming out of that division. You know, the funny thing is, is I look at Tony Bellew as a cruiserweight. His heavyweight fights, uh, specifically uh, against uh, David Hay, uh, which I'm going to get to the heavyweight division a little bit later. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I like to fight. I, I think Usyk. I think it's a good fight. Yeah, I, I think Usyk. Uh, listen, the 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 sad truth is that here in the states, a lot of fans don't give the cruiserweight division enough no. recognition. In my opinion, uh, we should. And I love this division, and it's chock full. I mean, Gassiev lost this fight, but he's certainly one of the top guys in the division. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. The other fight I want to talk about. Uh, post-fight was uh, HBO. Yeah, they're still doing boxing. They finally returned. Wow. Uh, it's been a while. Oh, uh, hey. But uh, HBO uh, featured uh, newly crowned Jaime Mungaya, uh, who had won his WBO junior middleweight title from Saddam Ali. Um, this is his first major payday. Uh, didn't make anything for the Ali fight. Uh, was put in immediately by the WBO with a mandatory title defense against Liam Beefy Smith, who went into this fight with only one loss, and that came at the hands of Saul Canelo Alvarez. And um, Mugaya, Mungaya won the fight, uh, 116-111, 119-110, and 119-108. I personally scored it 118-109. Uh, everyone, including myself, all in favor of Mungaya. Um, here's what I saw. I saw a 21-year-old kid who's been thrust into the limelight, who has a lot of fan following, that's for sure. Um, and I th like this kid, but there's a lot of things that he's got to tighten up. Number one, his defense. His defense oh, yeah. is terrible. Uh, he has no defense. Um, his footwork. Uh, no, you know, his, he's, he's a plotter. He's young. He relies on his punching power. He works the body great. I was glad to see that uh, the ref did not deduct the point. A lot of the uh, so-called low blows were right on the belt line. Uh, you can't take this kid's fight away from him uh, by doing uh, by calling them low blows and, and deducting points, whatever. I was glad to see that he didn't abandon the body work. Uh, he was just too much, too strong, too big for, for uh, Smith. Uh, but, man, Sal, no defense. I mean, you know, as he moves up with the level of opposition, this is going to catch up with him. Uh, he can't take the shots he was taking. No, and, and you know, he's going to have to tighten it up, as you said, a little bit. You know, his delivery of the body shots, you know, at times when he was executing them, the hands were down, and, and if, if he's in with a sharp counter puncher uh, who's fast enough, probably could have could have got a few shots in, but... The bottom line is the guy was relentless. He was conditioned. He has some good pop on his punch. And I'll tell you what, he gave Leon Smith anything and everything he could take. I scored the fight personally 118 to 110. And I uh, gave uh, gave a draw in one of those rounds. But uh, I'll tell you what, he had some good pop. I was impressed with him. And I, I like to see him fight again. I look forward to seeing him fight again. 
but yes, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to watch how his, his uh, legs uh, don't come together in the middle um, or whatever. He's got to keep his balance. He's got to keep those hands up. He's got to move that head. Yeah, he's got a little, little work ahead of him, but I'll tell you what, the tools are there. Uh, he could become a very special fighter, and I think that's what everybody's going to be hoping for. He's also, I, I noticed, I don't know if, if you did, you know, he, he had a trouble with the distance. Now, I don't know if we should give uh, Smith the credit for, for I think we you should know, a little bit. Yeah, for, for, you know, keeping him out of range. But he missed yeah. a lot of uh, punches that he let go, and they just, you know, got wind. You know, uppercuts uh, specifically, yes. some right hands uh, that he was throwing and missing. Now, he's not the fastest guy. Um, no. You know, the two weaknesses I see – uh, well, three, if you want to throw in uh, perfecting the distance, is clearly uh, no defense. And I, I think he's a bit slow uh, in terms of his hand speed. But uh, I guess power neutralized. Plus, the kid's only 21. He, he took a lot of shots. He's a kid. Yeah. you know, But, but that's going to get caught. Uh, they're going to catch up to him. I'm telling you. They're going to break him down. I mean, uh, uh, you know, they were kind of comparing him to a George Foreman. And we all saw what happened with George Foreman and uh, Ali. Uh, but the thing is, is that I thought that Mungaya um, didn't seem to run out of gas. No. Uh, he, he did slow down. He did seemingly take a couple of rounds off, but he still won those rounds. Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought Smith was uh, uh, just in with a stronger guy and was uh, in... Uh, uh, he had the right game plan. He just didn't have enough pop. Uh, I mean, a guy with 26 wins, 14 coming by knockout uh, versus uh, Mungaya, 30 wins now with uh, 25 uh, by knockout. Uh, obviously, he's a power puncher. The one thing I do want to say, though, Sal, uh, you know, Jim Lampley, uh, they were praising the Nevada State Athletic Commission for not allowing Mungaya to fight Triple G. I still disagree with that. I, I think that... Uh, his punching power um, should have gotten him uh, that that shot. You know, I, they were saying, "Oh, we agree, we agree that he wasn't he wasn't good enough to fight Triple G." I'm not saying he could have beaten Triple G. Not saying that at all. Uh, but I I do disagree with their decision to not let him fight Triple G when they went and let uh, you know Conor McGregor fight Floyd Mayweather. I mean, how do you let a, a pro debut fighter? Fight a forty-nine and zero guy, and then not let uh, a a twenty-eight and zero fighter at the time uh, fight a uh, Triple G. I, I I totally disagree uh, with the ass kissing that went on on uh, HBO last night. Uh, cash is king. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'll yeah. tell you what. Um, I I had the luxury of after the the Mercado fight and listening to Max Kellerman, and uh, I I got to give kudos to Roy Jones. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I, uh, I went to the British announcement announcers and listened to the, uh, the Liam Smith and, uh, Magoya fight, uh, over the Brits and the Brits call it as they see it. They don't put any drama in it. They don't do anything else in it. And they just, I love to listen to them. They're great. They're refreshing. They just talk about the facts. They talk about the, the, the. The event that's happening right in front of their eyes and not going off into uh, the drama and what if and how everything else is. I loved it. I, that's, that's, that's the broadcast I watched. I, I agree. I that You know, with the Yusik uh, uh, Gatsia fight, I saw the uh, uh, the British version, the British broadcast. And um, 
I love it. I love listening I love to it. those They're guys. Great. The, because the guys are great. You hit I mean, it on. They, they just call it. You hit it on the head. They call what's happening in front of them. You know, um, they're not trying to create something and 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 call something that you know you're not seeing, but say to yourself, "Oh wow, did I miss that?" No, I don't know. Exactly. Anyway, on the HBO uh, undercard uh, yes. in the super featherweight division. Now, these guys were slightly by weight class, Sal. Super featherweight, junior lightweight, however you want to look at it. Um, how big did these guys look? I mean, Alberto Machado, who uh, improved to 20-0. Machado looked like a uh, monster. I, I mean, you know, I kept forgetting <laughs> that they were junior lightweights. You know, they, they, they look, look like pretty a big. They definitely I do. It was, I think they had the pre-weigh. I think there was an 18-pound disparity or something like that, or in some other fight they were calling about. But go ahead. tell that. No, that was the uh, Liam Smith had put yeah, on Leon 18 Smith. pounds. Yeah. But um, uh, Rafael uh, Mensa. Uh, tried his best. Uh, what a sad story. Uh, he had just lost his daughter to malaria. Yes. To malaria. I mean, you, you think it out as, uh, uh, you know, an ancient uh, uh, disease, but it still uh, happens uh, frequently uh, in the part of the world he's from. But uh, he was a game fighter. Uh, looked like this fight was never going to get into the fifth or sixth round, uh, but he did go the distance. Uh, the way the judges scored it, uh, 120 to 107, all three had it. I didn't score this particular fight, but uh, I thought that Machado uh, dominated. looked very good. Another thing I noticed that the uh, uh, commentators did mention in this fight, I don't know if you got a chance to really focus on it or not, oh, Sal, yeah, I did. but uh, Freddie Roach, you could understand him. They, they said that uh, he looked uh, healthier and and uh, he he wouldn't admit that he was on any other kind of medication or anything. They He said that... Uh, uh, you know, they feel that he's uh, the doctors don't even know why, but he he looked good and sounded better than I've heard him sound in years. So uh, uh, hats off to, uh, uh, you know, fr um, Freddie Roach for uh, for keeping it up. Uh, I don't know. Did you notice that at all or no? Yeah, I noticed that, and uh, I noticed I noticed a lot in that fight. And I was, uh, you know, I, I I'll tell you, I made I made reference. You know, I used to be a real big fan of Max Kellerman. I I, I liked what he said. I liked how he looked at the fight. But, but the little bit of a uh, uh, banter between he and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, I, I, you know what I love about Roy Jones? He'll just he'll just set you straight. I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't play the deal. He, he you know if, if he disagrees or doesn't follow uh, suit uh, just to kiss butt or whatever, boom, he's gonna set you straight. And that's what was happening when uh, Max Kellerman was almost saying like. Well, it could almost be like a mercy call. The referee maybe should should maybe stop this fight. It's inevitable. The guy's not going to win or whatever the heck. And Roy was just like, what are you talking about? This is the game of boxing. These guys know what they're in for. And, and you know, it, it could turn around. It can happen. You know, I just enjoyed hearing a refreshing view because, um, you know, you look at one side and bam. Uh, I like the I like the right cross that uh, Roy Jones Jr. threw back at uh, Max Kellerman. You know, it's funny. You're right, but he does it within within. He's under control With, yes, because control. I'll tell you no. why. I tell you why. Guys that lost their job on HBO because they didn't play along uh, was George Foreman and Lennox Lewis, two guys that told it like it was, and um, they both ended up, uh, you know, not working for. Uh, uh, for them, but uh, in any event, well, and Roy Jones, I think to his credit, I think he just volleyed the ball over the net, or just sparred a little bit lightly. And but but I, he got his point across. I loved when he said, 
hey, Max, this is this is not any other sport. This is not croquet or whatever the heck. This is boxing. These guys know what they're doing. They're going in the ring, and they got the fighter spirit. These fans come to see a fight, not to see a fight be stopped because uh, uh, he's, he's losing. Right, right. Um, all right. Uh, I want to talk a little about the uh, heavyweight division real quick um, and maybe go back to it. But uh, uh, it's been official. Uh, Anthony Joshua, we all knew he is fighting Alexander Povetkin in September on, and it's pronounced the zone. D A Z N is pronounced the zone. Uh, okay. Um, anyway, I don't know if you caught it, Sal. But at the uh, official announcement, they have actually had it in New York City, um, where they were announcing that the uh, Povetkin uh, Joshua fight will be on the zone, um, and uh, Jarrell Baby Miller uh, was there, and uh, he started talking smack and uh, got up on the podium, and uh, he and AJ were a little pushing and shoving and everything else. Um, listen, I am so sick. And it, listen, all the fighters do it, okay? But I am so sick, specifically, of the heavyweights and all the smack talk that you hear. First of all, I am a guy that does not believe in any stretch of the imagination that Jarrell Big Baby Miller should be in the conversation at all. With uh, and again, I apologize. I had a tooth removed, so I'm, I'm, my, my murdering of the English language today is even worse than it normally is. But um, Miller is a joke that the sanctioning bodies, believe it or not, all of them except the WBC, which I I, I can't believe, but I credit the WBC. They all have him at ranked at number three in the world. A guy that's in line for a world title shot has yet to fight a real fighter. The last guy I was saying that about was uh, your boy, Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, why he even was allowed there and to stoke the fire a little bit uh, can only mean one thing. They are using Jarrell Miller as a backup plan should Deontay Wilder not take the fight uh, in April like they're all planning. But then Deontay Wilder hasn't shut up either. He keeps talking smack. Now says he will not fight Anthony Joshua, unless it's a 50-50 deal. Uh, listen, I, 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 he still claims that the $15 million guaranteed plus a rematch where they didn't uh, put an uh, outline of money was, was crackhead money, and he felt that it was a bad deal, felt that he was disrespected, all these things. This is, a, this is uh, Deontay saying this. And I, you know, I've had some time that, to really think about it, Sal, and I say this. What a jerk that Deontay Wilder and his team are for not taking the guaranteed $15 million plus a rematch. What a jerk. He will never get a 50-50 deal. If I were Team Anthony Joshua, you know what my next offer would be? $14 million guaranteed. And every time I send him an offer, I would keep lowering it. And you know why? Because until Deontay Wilder can show he can even make $10 million fighting anyone else, he hasn't a leg to stand on. It's cur it's going to be curious to see what he gets paid 
to fight Dominic Brazil. And don't be surprised if they offer that on Lou DeBella's new streaming service, which he had the, the card that was on Foxwoods last night. Uh, uh, the main event was McQueen uh, Williams, 11-0, going up against an 8-4-1 Matt Doherty. And yes, boys and girls, you could have watched that if you shelled out $4.95 for DeBella's new streaming service. Listen, all this has done is create... Uh, a, a, a network of greed by all these networks that are going to start charging. If everybody doesn't see that each promoter is aligning themselves with a streaming network, they're eliminating the distributor and they're offering the service directly to the consumer so more money goes in their pocket. And what happens, Sal? The boxing fan gets screwed again. Think of this. Just with the three that are announced, forget about Lou DeBella's. But you got ESPN Plus, that's five bucks a month. The Cloud TV, that's I think ten bucks, nine ninety nine a month. The uh, Zone, ten bucks a month, right? Uh, so uh, you, you add that, you know, you, let's just say arguments, twenty five bucks a month, you're paying extra. And oh by the way, your regular television package, which includes ESPN, you're paying whatever your distributor and Showtime and HBO separate per month. You're getting fleeced every single fight. And if you don't decide to buy them all, that means you're going to have to pick a promoter and his or her fighters to watch. Your thoughts, Mr. Senecola? Well, it is. It's a saturation and frustration here going on. And, and uh, we're going to have to see what the, what the way, you know, at least when you have a, a, a HBO subscription or, or, or Showtime, you could expect to, to view the fight and to have it uh, automatically in your living room or even pay-per-view. You got it. Uh, it's not subject to the promotional outfit. But, you know, we're going to probably be, as you suggested, taking all these different streams with these different promoters to eventually have to watch the fights uh, via via the uh, the purchase of, of all these, these streaming networks and who's representing them. And it's, it's a little frustra- frustrating. And, and like I said, it's just common sense. People will always go along the path of least resistance. If you start putting obstacles and, and hurdles and ponds and everything else that they're going to have to go around, it's going to be harder for the people to really seek out or, or want to have it just dropped in their lap versus just having it dropped in their lap. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be some tempered water. We're going to have to see how they wade through it. Listen, the bottom line is the heavyweight division is the division that we all look at, right? As goes the heavyweight division, so goes boxing. We hear it all the time. Why can't these heavyweights just shut up and fight? I I, I just don't get it. Why can't they just shut up and fight? How does a guy like Jarrell Baby Miller get ranked at number three by all sanctioning bodies except the WBC with the people that he's for? Here's a better, here's a bigger joke right here. Um, Tyson Fury, all right? Now, don't get me wrong. I like Tyson Fury. And nobody was a bigger fan of Tyson Fury than I was. But you know what? I checked. I I have the top 10 uh, box rec rankings, computer rankings, as of this morning. And Tyson Fury, after a three-year layoff, and after he beat Safir Sarifi, all right, who's currently ranked at number 133 in the world by the computer, Tyson Fury is now ranked at number five. All right. How does he beat Sarifi and catapult after a three-year layoff to the number five position? And it gets even worse because his next scheduled fight 
which is taking place August 18th in Belfast, is against a guy, at least a name fighter, Francisco Piata, uh, who's 35 wins, four losses and a draw, 21 coming by knockout. Uh, his last three fights, he was knocked out by Kevin Johnson. He lost a decision against Peter Millis, and he had a win over a 1-0 guy. So he's 1-2 in his last three fights. And guess what? He's what? ranked at number 140. Seven positions lower than Sarifi. And and the computer somehow calculates that Tyson Fury's number five in the world. And I'm complaining that the sanctioning bodies have Jarrell Baby Miller, who's fought no one, uh, ranked at number three. Incidentally, I'll get to this a little later, but Jarrell Baby Miller is ranked at number six in the world by the computer. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we got some more uh, to talk about. Uh, we got uh, scheduled to come up as uh, Dax Khan, but uh, I haven't seen him. But uh, we are. Uh, we know we're going to get Alex Propali a little bit later. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And um, before we went to break, I was whining and crying about the heavyweight division style. But I, I, I tell you the truth. I mean, have you ever seen such a collective group of heavyweights? And and I'm being very careful. I don't want to point just the fingers at at you know any one specific. But they're all a bunch of uh, of, of of yappers, man. They're I, I mean, listen. The beauty of this sport is you you can show off your your goods real easy. Just step in the ring, and that's the one thing they don't do. They all they all really practice hard. At, at, you know, uh, your, what, your mother sews socks that smell, you know, stuff like that. You know, your sister wears army boots. You know, I, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. But, you know, the, 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 the funny thing is, why can't they just fight? Well, the bottom line is this. Uh, guess what? You're talking about, and I, I hate to always have to reflect back, but, you know, different generations, you had promoters pushing their fighters and pushing these guys and talking about what they can do and what they're going to do and who they're going to get in the ring with. Now, to these guys' defense, these promoters, that, that there's no longer the Don Kings, the Bob Aram, the Lou Duvas, this one, that one, that make it you know, more prominent that you're going to hear some great words about a fighter they believe in or that's in their camp. And so these fighters have to promote themselves. That's why we look at the outrageous things that some of these fighters say, and that's why uh, it draws the attention. Maybe it helps in their 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 pol- politics in the game of sports. Who the heck knows? But you know what? It's better to hear something than nothing. I guess that's their mentality and mindset, and that's a, that's a shame because, like I said, you know, a couple of decades ago, it just used to be the promoters that needed to say something and to talk something because the fighters got in the ring and the fighters fought to get to where they needed to be. And then their actions spoke the volumes of words after the fact, not before. 
Give a shout-out to former world champion Matthew Hilton. He's uh, watching us on our Facebook stream right now. And Matthew just, Hilton? Yeah, I, uh, go, I just I just told him, give me drop me an email. We'll have him come on the show sometime. So, Love uh, that. Love uh, that. Yeah, yeah, he was I right up your I rally, fought, huh? I remember yeah. I fought his brother Davey up uh, with the United States boxing team. We went up there. Bobby Chez and I were on the squad, and we went up to, to uh, Montreal. We fought in the old Olympic Stadium. And uh, I think Davey Hilton's mother was the judge that night. Funny, you know. Uh, I almost took a picture of the picture that's here in my office slash studio of me and Bobby Chez at the Mohegan Sun. I was covering. He was doing the uh, commentating for Showtime, and I was covering the fight. And uh, I got a shot with him, and we were talking about it last time we did an event. And Bobby was there, and uh, I almost took a picture of it to show you the picture. But uh, and we both look so, that we both look. Bobby and I both look so young. You know, I was like, who are these oh, two yeah, kids? Sure did, hey. But uh, but anyway, you know, I've never seen such a collective group of heavyweights talk smack. And and I will say this, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a big uh, Anthony Joshua fan because I certainly, um, you know, I I certainly uh, uh, do feel that you know he is uh, he is the best. But uh, um, you know, I, the, I saw him for the first time kind of loses cool with the Jarrell Baby Miller thing. And he couldn't he couldn't even focus on the, the photo ops with he and Alexander Povetkin. I don't know if you got to see the, the video. There's there, there was a video out and it was it was put out and it's it's easy to find. You can punch it up. Uh, <laughs> but the look on his face, you know, they're trying to pose and they're they're doing this uh, unveiling of the zone and all of this stuff. And he just, his eyes keep going over to Jarrell Miller. And finally, he turns around and he says, shut the F up. Shut the F up. And he was going after him, right? Wow. And wow. Uh, i tell you something. I don't know. It, it isn't. It isn't. And I, I don't know. Uh, but to tell you the truth, that's a guy you don't want to rile up. I mean, Jarrell Miller really, I, I think he better be careful. Well, maybe you do. Maybe that'll throw him off his composure and... and Maybe that's why Deontay Wilder was saying some of the things he said. He said, wait till I get this guy in the ring and what I'm going to say before the first bell. Well, you know what? I mean, everything that Deontay said has not bothered Anthony Joshua, but Jarrell Baby Miller was getting under <laughs> his skin. Just... I mean, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, and you know, you, 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 you're making a good point. I mean, you know, hypothetically, you know, you're, you're looking at a fighter that, 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 that has been there and, and, and done that to a degree, even though he's got – you know, uh, he doesn't have all that many uh, professional fights that validate his stature. I mean, not to validate, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. It used to be 30, 40, 50 fights, you're a champion. Now, you know, it's 15, 20 in, in, in uh, uh, Anthony Joshua's case. And the bottom line is, you know, he, he you don't expect him to get so easily riled up. And uh, for that to happen, you know, maybe there's a maturity thing that he's still growing into mentally and psychologically, and and he's learning. But uh, no, that's that was a surprise because, like I said, it, it was kind of uncharacteristic to see a response that he gave. Um, you know, it just uh, and you I, know what? It, it, it just bothers hey, me. It just bothers me that Miller's even in the discussion. Let I me give you. Uh, maybe let, it bothered him too. <laughs> let, let me say this, okay? People can say what they want about Alexander Povetkin. And maybe he doesn't understand English. And maybe he doesn't know what's going on, uh, you know, what's what's happening. But let me just say this. He was a gentleman at this press conference. 
Not that I really care. I mean, people got it wrong. I don't mind a good smack talker. I just want somebody that's going to talk smack and then at least try to back it up. I can't stand these guys that that talk all kinds of smack and then don't even back it up. You know, David Hay was was classic. You know, Deontay Wilder, at least he tries. You know, at least he tries to talk it up. He, he, he believes in, you know, uh, that he's got power, and he does have power, and, you know, it is what it is. But Povetkin, Povetkin's a legitimate opponent for Anthony Joshua. The way the computer ranks the top 10, Sal, Anthony Joshua number one, Deontay Wilder number two. Now, depending upon your opinion, you know, I mean, my opinion, Anthony Joshua's clearly number one, and Deontay Wilder's clearly number two. I, I wouldn't be, I, yeah, I guess I would be lying if I said that if they put Wilder at number one and, and AJ at number two, I'd be upset. But, I mean, they're clearly the top two heavyweights in the division. I agree. There's I agree no, with that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that ranking. No, I, I, and they're clearly the top two, okay? And and um, number three is Povetkin. And I'm not so sure you can argue that when you look at the rest of the rankings. So, so well, the top, it. yeah, the top three guys I think are legitimately placed where they should be. And, uh, you know, you can mix, in, in my opinion, you can mix and match Wilder and Povetkin. Povetkin has a much better resume than Wilder. Wilder's uh, uh, at least more recent. But number four, number five, and number six, I all question. And I question how the computer can put these guys in there. Number four, Tony Bellu at number four. You know, his two signature heavyweight fights are against David Hay. David Hay wasn't even in the conversation at heavyweight at this point. Number five is Tyson Fury, like I mentioned before. Um, I don't know if he deserves that catapult of a ranking after Sarifi win, after being no, uh, so. off, of, off for, 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 for three years. I mean, I, you know, that's the problem. One, one of the problems I have with the ranking system today is that we're not climbing the ladder anymore, Sal. You know, well, you're, you're, you're just being put in a position because you won. <laughs> they don't care who you fought, nothing like that. I, you know, I looked at the computer rankings to try to weed that BS out. Uh, Jarrell Miller, number six. I, I don't even believe that. And here's where I think that these guys, seven, eight, nine, ten, should actually be moved up to four, five, six, seven and drop the bellowed of Tyson Furies and the Jarrell Millers down to eight, nine, ten. Uh, Luis Ortiz is number seven. Dillian White wow. is number eight. Joseph Parker is number nine. And Dominic Brazel is number 10. That rounds out the computer rankings for the top 10 heavyweights. Now, in a perfect world, these guys would be fighting each other. Now, Joseph Parker yes. and Dillian White are the only two out of this group, aside from Anthony Joshua fighting Povetkin, which was a forced fight. They're the only two non-title holders that are fighting each other. AJ fought Joseph Parker and beat him for his title. Uh, Povetkin has been the number one contender for the WBA. So, I mean, I'm not going to criticize Anthony Joshua. I'm not going to criticize Povetkin. And I certainly can't criticize Dillian White and Joseph Parker. Now, should the uh, anticipated fight between Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil take place, Dominic Brazil would be a legitimate opponent, in my opinion, for Deontay Wilder. But aside from that... Why isn't Jarrell Miller uh, fighting a Kubat Pulov or, or uh, a Luis Ortiz or, or some other relative fighter? I, I just don't get it. Bill, and that's the trouble with today's rankings and the system. I mean, like you said, and what, what, I, what I remember growing up with is these guys fought the ring, rung, rings of the ladder. And you, you, you would climb 
every wrong and you would you would get to the top you'd be in position to fight for a championship here you i i could agree with the top 10 that you suggested i don't agree with the order of the placement but those are pretty much the most popular 10 heavyweights that that we are talking about today and um uh they should be fighting each other, but I think they're all gunning for the world champion or, or what was viewed as the world champion. And I think that uh, they have to have their own elimination fights to see what they could do. The winner should go on. You want to talk about we should have a heavyweight tournament super series, uh, both for, uh, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua and let these uh, the, the other eight contenders uh, work their way up to uh, to fight each of those guys. You know, the problem with the heavyweights is that because there's so much money that is made in that division, the risk of a um, fighter losing his position or, or title shot with a tournament would prevent it from happening. However, what I do think could happen is you could get a lot of young up-and-coming uh, heavyweights fight in a tournament to weed out the pretenders from the uh, from a potential oh, yeah. real contender that i could see happening and that that i would definitely uh like to see happen but uh but the heavyweight division uh you know I, there's a lot of talk there's a lot of uh you know he said she said uh and not too much fighting you know anthony joshua is in the driver's seat there's no question about it Deontay Wilder, in my opinion, made a huge mistake uh, not taking the fight. Uh, and he'll make even a bigger mistake if he doesn't take uh, the offer for April. He's not going to get a 50-50 deal, Sal. He's not worth a 50-50 deal. And until he can actually make $10 million on his own, or even 5 or even 8 um, it's not going to happen. He's not going to make $5 million to fight Dominic Brazil. Uh, you know, who else can he fight that could make some money? You know, maybe a rematch with Luis Ortiz, maybe a fight with the winner of Dillian White and Joseph Parker. Uh, but I don't think that that fight uh, could make uh, Wilder the money if he fights in the States. I think this guy's got to go to England and fight uh, to make the money. Sal, what's your thoughts? You know, my thoughts are this, Bill. I, you know, I know it, next to Anthony Joshua, he has not come near the the purses, the the the, the level, the pay scale uh, that Anthony Joshua gets. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying that uh, with his lack of promotion, with the lack of things that are happening behind him, you're right. I don't think he's going to get paid even five million to fight Dominic Brazil. And when you look back at him being offered twelve or fourteen. Or fifteen million to fight Anthony Joshua, that's a that's a great increase. But here's the here's the variable that we got to consider. It's not saying that he doesn't deserve it. What I'm saying is this: these are the two special dancers that people are going to be willing to pay for to see get in the ring and dance. So that's what here is value, and that's where he is the equal dance partner. It has nothing to do with what he's made in the past, but. All eyes, most eyes, my eyes, want to see Deontay Wilder get in the ring with Anthony Joshua, and I'd be willing to pay for that. So because that's the fight in my mind that I want to see, I'd be willing to pay for it. So why shouldn't Deontay Wilder deservingly get a portion of my, my fee of what I'm paying to watch that fight? That's my argument. 
But it's not that he hasn't made that person in the past. But guess what? This is a special fight. This would be one that I'd pay to see. And I'd like to see him get half the funds of what I'm paying for to watch that fight. That's just my opinion. What? You think that he deserves a 50-50? Well, you know what? I can't say he doesn't. I can't. What has he done to just what is he fight? This is a magnitude of a fight. There's going to be, you know, what did I always say, Bill? If two fighters really want to fight each other, they're going to get in the ring to fight. Now, obviously, whatever went on, you know, each camp is going to whine and complain about the other camp not following through. I was reading how Deontay Wilder was was saying that uh, these guys didn't want to do this. And you hear from Anthony Joshua's camp that Deontay Wilder didn't want to do that. So, like I said, if both fighters want to truly fight each other, all else would fall into place. The contracts, everything else would be signed, sealed, and they'd work out the details later. Let me ask and, you this. Let me ask you this. AJ can, continues to fight. AJ doesn't need Deontay. AJ can continue to fight, make $20 million every time he steps into the yeah, ring. I and, agree. And, and he's willing to fight all the other guys, all yeah. the other top guys. Deontay has yet to fight any top guy except for 57-year-old Luis Ortiz. That's it. That's the one guy. Listen, I know you love Deontay Wilder. I know you got Deontay. I know you. I know you got Deontay. He's you, you, great. But, listen, but, you I know, know you got Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know boxer trunks on right now. But but the truth of the matter is you know. is that this guy is a one trick pony, Sal. He's got punching power. That's it. He hasn't proven anything in the ring. He hasn't even proven anything in the bank account yet. This is a guy that's never even made two and a half million. And he's going to demand a 50-50 fight against a, a, a Anthony uh, Joshua? Are you kidding me? I, I Listen, you said yourself that you thought he should have taken the $12 million. Then we both agreed, hey, listen, he held out. He made $3 million more, more than he made ever in the ring against any other fighter. And he still didn't sign on a dotted line, called it crackhead money. Well, if that's crackhead money... I want to see what he's going to make for his next fight because he's not making $5 million. He's not making $5 million, Sal. No, he is not, but, I, but I'll tell you why. Again, it's it's just the, 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 the laws right here. To make that Anthony Joshua fight come true or, or become a reality, he is the other 50% of the partnership that needs to get in the ring with the other 50%. So that's why I'm saying I could see there being an equal purse because of a fight this that magnitude of that magnitude. Like I said, it's going to take both dance partners to get in the ring. And even though it's, it's, a, it's a pie in the sky uh, numbers that he's never he'll never have as far as reality unless he does get in the ring with Anthony Joshua, then, you know, that's the dance partner that needs to say, hey, I want 50%, and that's the only way I'm going to make it happen. Let him stand strong. And you know what? Anthony Joshua will be, will be eventually called out for it. So I'm not, like I said, I'm just being a realist. I see where Deontay Waller is coming from or his camp's coming from because he is the other dance partner that will make that fight happen. He doesn't. We're not looking at what he's done in the past. We're not looking at what he has or who he has not fought or this, that, and that one. But the bottom line is, It'll be the largest purse in his career. It would have been if he took the 12. It would have been if he took the 14. It would have been if he took the 15. 
But he is the other partner that needs to get into the dance. And that's where I could see him validating his wanting to earn 50%. He turned down $7 million to fight Dillian White, remember? He turned. This is a guy that has been misled and has made the wrong financial decision all through his career. And if we're saying that he's making the smart decision because he's holding out to make that big, huge payday, well, eventually he's going to have to step in the ring with someone else. And time is everyone's enemy in the sport of boxing. Uh, now, I'm sorry. Deontay Wilder is a one-trick pony. He's got punching power, devastating punching power, I might add. And it definitely is the equalizer. And, it, and I'm not saying it would be an easy fight for Anthony Joshua. It won't be. You know, but you got to fight. At the end of the day, shut the F up and fight. And all I ever hear from about uh, when, when Deontay Wilder is in the mix is him talking smack. There's a guy that has made his career from talking smack. I got, I'm going to kill somebody. I, I feel I got to kill somebody in the ring. Eh, you ain't killing nobody in the ring. You know, I, I mean, come on. Come on. Anyway, I want to talk about uh, the streaming real quick. Uh, you know, I, I, this is something that is really bothering me. You know, uh, people are, are supportive of the streaming. And, and I am too. Okay, I, I like the fact that we are going to be able to get streaming and the ability to watch fights that we otherwise wouldn't have watched. That was the original uh, plan, at least the way I saw it, with streaming capabilities. And Sal, we say it all the time, we know that we could have been uh, doing this five or six years ago when I first it planned good. it, but that's besides the point. But, but the truth of the matter is, is what has evolved. And, and Lou DiBella really opened my eyes this weekend because next thing I know, he's uh, advertising his show that was at Foxwoods. And I love seeing fights at Foxwoods. And we're going to have Alex Papali join us in here in about eight minutes. And he covered the fight. He was ringside uh, at Foxwoods. He's, he's, he, he said it was a great card. But Lou DiBella comes on and says, hey, you want to watch this fight? You want to watch this fight against an 11, 11-0 guy fighting an 8-4-1 guy? That was the main event. Hey, all you got to do is pay four ninety five. This is the mentality that streaming services did three, four years ago. It didn't work. It's not the money, okay? What's happened with the streaming services is that the promoter is aligning themselves with the service. They're eliminating the distributor. So if everybody doesn't know how it works, you, you, you have a fight. You have a production team that produces the fight. They film it. They have the commentators, blah, blah, blah. And they bring it to a distributor. A distributor could be HBO, Showtime, On Demand, uh, Pay-Per-View, all those things. They distribute it to your TV provider, whether it's a cable uh, television provider uh, or if it's a satellite dish provider. They provide it which means they get a cut. So does the, the, the provider. They get a cut. And then the consumer, us, we're paying for it, right? So at, at the outset, you say to yourself, well, hey, you know what? Now we can just go directly and get the, the streaming service, right? Good deal, right? Well, not really. Because what's happened is the promoter has aligned themselves with a specific uh, streaming service. Right now, ESPN Plus is aligned with Top Rank. Uh, the zone is aligned with with uh, um, you know uh, uh, Matchroom Sports, right? And uh, Eddie Hearn. So what, in a sense, that they're saying is, hey, you want to watch our fighters? You want to watch our guys? 
you got to subscribe to this service. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm going to subscribe to ESPN. Well, guess what? Now you're not going to see Anthony Joshua. Well, I'm going to subscribe to, to the zone so I can see Anthony Joshua. Well, now you're not going to see the top ranked fighter. So in a sense, you got to subscribe to all of these. And like I said earlier in the show, you know, just those top three right now out of the gate. And there's going to be more. Trust me. There's going to be more. All right. Uh, Golden Boy, they already have a, a streaming service called Ring TV. Watch that come into play now. All right. So so all of these uh, uh, promoters are aligning themselves with streaming services. And now us, the boxing fan, the consumer, has to decide which promoters, fighters we want to watch and shell out the money. And, oh, by the way, you're still going to get the, the fights on Showtime. You're still going to get the fights on HBO. Those are premium channels here in the States. I love listening. Somebody was emailing me back and forth. They said, well, we get all of this stuff uh, for free. I have Box Nation. I'm over in England. I said, well, wait a minute. You're not getting it for free. Don't you have to pay monthly for Box Nation? Oh, yeah, well, we pay monthly, but we get it for free. No, you're not getting it for free. You're paying for it, and it's the same thing. I get a guy, a friend of mine, he'll go gamble at the casino and call me up and say, hey, you want to come to the casino? I got a free room. You got a free room? You lost $5,000 playing craps. You got a free room? You didn't get a free room. I mean, come on, right, Sal? <laughs> you're right. You're right. When you're right, Billy C., you are correct the mundo. Who used to say that? Correct the mundo. Uh, I forget. Come on, uh, come who? on, a little trivia. Who? Correct the mundo. That was Fonz. Fonz. Yeah. Hey, so what do you think though about the streaming packages? They're they're fleecing us some more, right? Well, they are. They're fleecing us, and uh, but you know what? We're gullible fans. We're gonna watch the fights. We gotta watch it, so we're gonna buy it. We're gonna do what we gotta do. I mean, you know, like I said, people go along the path of least resistance, and. Uh, uh, you know, if we got to jump over a, a hurdle or uh, uh, run through the water, hey, to get there, we're, we're going to do it for so long till till it, uh, you know, becomes too much, too troublesome. But right now, I think uh, I think we'll figure it out. Well, uh, I just think that uh, it's a little too much. Uh, we're constantly, we being boxing fans, are constantly getting fleeced. You know, back in the day. You had pay-per-view in its infancy, closed circuit. Then it turned yes. into pay-per-view. And yeah. and what we used to get on pay-per-view was all the premium fights, great cards, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody yeah. complained. Then what yeah. happened was it took a turn, went down. It, it took that other, the, the, the more traveled road at the fork, you know, because you remember what Yogi Berra says, when you hit the fork in the road, take it. You know, so, I mean, you know, then everyone got sick of it because every fight was a pay-per-view, it seemed, and we were paying for garbage fights. So that's why a lot of that went south. Then the cable networks took control again, specifically in the last couple of years, Showtime, and they started putting on some great matches, okay? HBO, I don't know what they're doing, but uh, but it is what it is. And then, again, the pay-per-views emerged the great fights, the big fights. Now, all of a sudden, we got the streaming. Now... Now, it seems like we're, we're, you know, you're getting the regular fights on the streaming networks, uh, you know, for the most part, or the humongous fights on the streaming networks. And I got news for you. I watched the World Boxing Series on the stream yesterday, and uh, it was terrible. It was choppy. Uh, and, and I have a, 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 a high-end, uh, you know, uh, ISP service just to do this show. So it's not like I have the cheapo one. You know, I'm paying... 
a lot of money. You know, I'm talking Me 15. Too. They I'm, get the other side. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm paying 1500 bucks a month, you know, to have the business end uh, of, of an up and download system that I have. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that, um, you know, it was still terrible because it can only be delivered as, as fast as it can. You know, and it wasn't worth it. If I'm going to pay and I'm going to watch Anthony Joshua fight on the zone, it better come over the way my television comes over. That's all I'm saying, Sal. No, well, guess what? I concur with you there, Bill. Uh, if I'm going to be paying for a service like that, I don't want to choppy. I don't want to dance and I don't want to bobbing up and down in and out. I want to have a clear view and uninterrupted view of that fight. Yeah, well. Because I'm paying for it. Right. I, well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is, is you pay for HBO, you pay for Showtime and, and generally uh, you're getting a good, good product, you know, and uh, I want the same. Now, you can make an argument and say, well, listen, you know, you're going to get uh, the zone. You're going to get to watch Anthony Joshua uh, fight Povetkin. All you got to do is subscribe. It costs you 10 bucks a month. You know, so how many how many months you, know, you could have that service for a year before what you're going to pay for one great fight? Uh, on a cable network, and, and there's some truth to that. But if what I got to give up to get that is quality, it ain't worth it. It's like a restaurant to me. You know, uh, people have a tendency to think a good restaurant is when they give you a, a bucket load of food uh, or if everything's cheap. Hey, it's a great place. Go there. You know, you get all you can eat for nine ninety five. You know, and I, to me, no, that's not the case. I want quality. You know, I don't care about quantity when it comes to eating, and it's the same thing with boxing. I want quality. You know, I don't care about quantity, and I don't care about uh, watching a, a gazillion garbage fights. I want to watch a good one, Sal. <laughs> Me too. That's what we're here for, and uh, to call the good ones and uh, weed out the uh, the contender, the pretenders from the contenders. That's all. Hey, listen, and everybody has a shot. We're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna have Alex Papali join us. He's gonna give us his thoughts uh, on the uh, HBO card from last night. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, being with us right now is. Uh, my man, uh, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, C. How are you? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm not doing that great, Mike. I got this tooth pulled last week, and uh, I'm, I'm having more trouble talking than I normally do, which is uh, pretty tough. But uh, uh, anyway, last night, Hamey Mugaya uh, made the first uh, defense of his uh, WBO junior middleweight title a successful one. What was your thoughts on the performance? Um, you know, I thought that uh, it was it was fun to see him again. Um, I think that it's stunning 
to see that they are two uh, junior middleweights who fight as light heavyweights. Uh, that was kind of crazy, um, just to see how much game, uh, how much uh, poundage they had gained overnight. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there goes the day before wins. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it uh, it was ridiculous because um, it's it, it really is. Um, it makes you wonder why the hell we have weight classes at it's all. It's a false representation, Alex, of the weight class. You know what? When you're when you're you when you have 24 hours to replenish yourself and you can gain 20 pounds, this and that. How can you be fighting for a junior middleweight title if you're going in the ring at 175? It's just it's just or 65. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I mean that was just bizarre. Um, I do think that uh, it was it was uh, very entertaining to hear the argument between Max and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, and I agree with what Sal said: is that uh, um, yes, in, for the most part, I think Roy Jones is absolutely right. Uh, this is not knitting class. This is professional prize fighting. Um, so yeah, that's what Mensa signed up for. However. I think we also need to keep up with science and what we learn about the sport and what we learn about head injuries. And I think some of the knockouts and, and like permanently brain damaging knockouts we've seen, or not even knockouts, but just fights that ended in that, um, have come at the end of one-sided beatings like that where we kept letting the fight continue. When I say we, meaning collectively we, um, uh, let the fight go on, thinking, well, there's a chance this guy could put something together and change the course of the fight. Um, that's not always the case. And I think, like, I think both sides, I think, had very good points. Um, and I think that, it, personally, I, I think that that's something to consider. It would change what our sport looks like, because a fight like last night could have been stopped by, you know, round five, seven, Five, six, or seven—you know—I mean, enough's enough. Because um, we don't quite know what's happening with that swelling. But again, like what Roy was saying, it's the corner um, that should be making those decisions. Uh, they weren't. Um, but I think Max has a point too. When everyone is derelict, uh, what happens? We just watch somebody get beaten to death. We don't want that either. So um, I don't know. It was a great discussion. Uh, that and I'm glad that we're having that kind of thing. I'm not sure it was appropriate for the time because, meanwhile, you know, people are like, "Are you going to talk about what's happening in this fight?" Um, but uh, I don't know. It was a good. Um, it was uh, it was worthwhile. I thought, but I thought that you know, in terms of a competitive card, uh, it sure wasn't. I mean, how many rounds did uh, the B side fighters win? last night on the HBO show. Well, well, let, let, let's... I, I had initially asked you about the Mugaya fight, and we got into... The, well, no, 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 no. We got into the Machado fight, which um, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I hate to say this, and every time it seems that Stacey McKinley is in the corner of someone, there's always some kind of issue with that particular fighter. You know, like, like I loved... After uh, Mensa was dropped, you know his his uh, comment to him and and his constructive in instruction to him when he came back to the corner was, 
you got to watch that right hook. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, you got to watch that right hook. You know, it was his first time. It was his first time that he, that, that, well, 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 let me just say this. You got to watch your right hook. Yeah, yeah, no no kidding, Stacy. You know, find out why. What am I doing wrong? I mean, I mean, come on. This guy was out of it from that point on. And then after you find out that he just lost his daughter to malaria, I mean, right? That, and then you then you hear that, that he fights good. thirty fights, thirty fights without getting paid. And and so uh, you know, here's a guy that has clearly been screwed time and time again. And then his corner is acting super tough for him. And and you know what? If a corner's not going to stop a fight, just like they said during the announcing team, which I gotta I gotta just say. I mean, they they're 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 almost as bad to and hard to listen to as as the yelling, screaming idiot on Showtime. But um, they were right. You know, when does the when does the referee say, okay, if the corner's not going to save this guy, I'm gonna. You know, um, he was never in the fight. There was no reason for him to to be go the distance. If you want to show that he can go 12 rounds, big deal. Uh, Machado was faster, younger, stronger. Uh, was hitting him at will. Uh, there was no reason for that fight to go the distance. Um, I, I agree with both of you. You know, the best thing that Roy kept saying is, you know, the only thing that Rafael Mensa has, because his nickname was Sweet Pea, was the P. Put your left foot, put your right foot first, <laughs> like Southpaws do. You. you know, uh, but uh, yes, it was it was it both was disheartening yeah. to watch. And and you know, I I think a good hint when you're watching a fight. And the commentators are talking about everything but the fight that's happening in front of them. I think that's a pretty good indication that the fight is not a competitive one, fellas. Yeah, that's a good point. That good if point. Uh, they're talking about other things, then it's like the fight in front of you is a foregone conclusion. Why are we still watching it? Um, yeah, I mean, I it's it's a tough one though because it would change um, the complexion of our sport about a bit because you know a lot of there's a lot of decisions that we see that are like you know, an eight round decision that's, you know, an 80 to 73 type scorecard, um, you know, that is basically just a lopsided beating. But I think part part of what my concern was, I think when we see the effects of like some massive swelling like that, um, that sometimes could be an indicator. But again, I'm not a doctor, so what the hell do I know? Um, but I think just from watching fights for as many years as I have, there have been cases where you know, there's might be something a little strange in one of the corners that, you know, there is a lot more swelling than usual. Well, then let's, you know, if this is not, if it's not like, a, you know, a major fight that's like one of the most important, you know, like a, uh, you know, unification type bout or something like that, uh, a club fight, what are we continuing for, you know? Uh, it, it, I don't know. I mean, to me, boxing, the beauty of boxing is that it's a lot like chess with bruises, well, sometimes in a chess game, you can tell a few moves before checkmate that the game's over. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe that's not as exciting a finish, but it's still, um, you know, uh, uh, definitive. So maybe, you know, some fights will get stopped a little early. Uh, but Well, I mean, they, 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 uh, we're looking at sports uh what, what do they have in little league mercy mercy rule when yeah you know i mean when you're looking at being down by 10 or 20 runs they're gonna call a mercy rule but i mean you know it is a delicate balance and i didn't mean to yeah. bash max kellerman because i do like him and i I've, I've always been a fan of his but 
you know, fellas, just being a fighter for myself, I know some of my fights would have been stopped if, if I didn't beg the doctor to let it continue and stuff. <laughs> you know, when I was walking through a fight with, with four cuts at 130 stitches that it took to close them later on or a retina uh, separated from a thumb, and, you know. But, but that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is I know this example, and I guess I use the theory or the concept of a mercy rule. If a fighter is clearly getting beat, uh, I, I think there has to be a careful debate, but I think an educated corner who knows their fighter well either knows that the guy is, is going to come up with a, with, a, with a haymaker or something else to turn it around or could do so, or guess what? You know what? We're going to call it a night. He just doesn't have it, and why should we, 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 we let him go through the rest of the rounds when we could save it for another night? Because you know, the I, I think that the, has to be an educated corner that can help make that decision. But, but too often, a fighter, when a too fighter often, goes out there, let me tell you guys, when a true fighter goes out there, they 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 got the blinders on. They're looking to win. They're looking to do it in the essence of their heart. They're a fighter. You don't give up. You don't you don't see anything. So maybe you have to have other people looking out for your best. Of course you do. You definitely yeah. do. And 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 you know what? That's the problem with these corners that they're too tough for their fighters. There was no reason that Mensa should have went the distance. No reason. He was still going to get paid. He it, it wasn't couldn't have been about the money. You know, if a tra nobody is supposed to know their fighter more than the trainer. Now granted, okay. Stacy McKinley was his first time training a guy but still, you know, it's always better to, to stop a fight too soon than stop a fight too late. And nothing for nothing, all right? But so many great fights in the history of boxing would have never, ever went the distance in today's sport of no, boxing. No, look at Jake LaMotta. Forget never Jake LaMotta. How about Rocky Marciano? Rocky Marciano would have never, they would have never, the fights with, with Ezra Charles, would have never he would have never made it out of those. His nose was flopping on his face. You know, I mean, come on, come on. Anyway, Mugaya's performance, Alex. Would have been stopped. I mean, so many fights. You're absolutely so right. So many great classic fights that made these fighters who they were and the legends that they became were because the fights continued and they dug deep from inside to prove that doesn't that make it right though that doesn't make it right because we've learned no, we've learned right, what had what the repercussions from that were sal we learned it we all you have to do is look at muhammad ali look at joe frazier man I I, i'll never forget when i met joe frazier for the first time okay i asked him for an autograph at that time i was you know still really enjoyed getting autographs from these guys and this was this was in the eighties, okay? This was in the eighties. And Joe Frazier had a hard time signing his name. This was in the eighties. All right. I, I mean he hadn't even uh been out as long. So I mean the repercussions from these fighters, uh, uh that the battles that they're in, especially those style fighters, very far and few in between, walk away unscathed. That it, Sal, you're you're, you know what? I hate to say it, Sal, but your style fighting, you're an exception to the rule, my friend. I am. Okay, I am. so, I, so I, I, I mean, God and you, you know, so. What? I also got to thank that doctor every day because I do, and I wish I could remember who he was or, or, or uh, <laughs> his name. No, no, no He just, knows that who doctor, he was. After, after my fight in Tennessee, when he said, hey, kid, you want to have a, a life? You want to go on after? You want to be champion of other things? You want to live uh, and play with your grandchildren one day? Do yourself a favor. I'm on the medical board of Muhammad Ali. I think his name was Dr. Beamer. And uh, and uh, 
get out of the ring, stop boxing by the time you're 28. And he told me the laws of physics. Why? Because your your skull, and I say this, I hate to be redundant, says uh, your, your skull in, uh, with your brain, encasing your brain, you know, that has fluid in it. And by some strange phenomenon, this fluid dissipates at the age of 28 or so, and it's not no longer the cushion and the pillow of when you get that trauma to the head that absorbs that trauma or that or that absorbs that blow. So, in other words, you're more likely to have scarring on the brain and damage after the age of 28 because of the lack of the fluid and this brain bouncing off the structure of the skull. Versus having the fluid in there to work as an, uh, I, I analogize it to the egg albumin with the yolk. You, you, you know, you shake an egg, the albumin's protecting the yolk not to crack open. You, you, you take all that albumin out, you shake the yolk, it's going to crack. So it's a rough analogy, but I think people will understand that. You know, and I, I praise that doctor, and I thank God every day because I prayed. I prayed before every fight never to have permanent uh, damage done to my opponent or myself. And uh, who knows? Maybe those prayers have been answered, and I'm very grateful. And I, and I probably wouldn't trade it in to have the experience I've had in my life uh, uh, to uh, be forfeited by uh, a couple more years of fighting. I want to ask Alex one more time: uh, three strikes, man. What was your assessment of Jaime Mugaya's performance <laughs> last night with his first defense of his WBO junior middleweight title? Uh, I thought he looked good. Uh, I thought he definitely battered uh, Beefy Smith uh, all over all over the ring. Um, he did not um, achieve, I think, what he wanted in that uh, he did not score a flashier uh, def- uh, victory over Smith than Canelo did. Um, at least that's sure what HBO made it sound like he wanted. Sure did. Uh, and HBO, you know, as usual, I think we had to suffer through... Uh, HBO's desire to make a star uh, rather than just cover a fight um, because you had to s- listen to a lot of them hyping Munguia before we actually saw him do anything. Um, and I do agree. I agreed with Max Kellerman that uh, I thought the first three rounds did go to Smith. Um, I disagreed with Harold Letterman. Um, I gave but- the first two rounds to Smith. Well, I gave the second round actually a draw, but I gave the first round to Smith, the second round a draw, and I think I gave the third. But I'll tell you what, I think Magaya woke up and, and said, put it in different gear in around the fifth and sixth. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's a skilled kid, and I think the thing that's interesting about him, just the size, uh, of course, is going to be a big plus for him, the youth. Um, but the way he uses his arms uh, to catch punches as well as to sort of hook you and stuff like that uh, – just in in sort of the stuff when he's not actually throwing punches, uh, just seems very clever. He's going to be um, definitely someone to watch at middleweight. I think. Um, I don't know. I think you know we got to wait and see what happens with Canelo Golovkin. But I think people should be excited that uh, you got a young uh, guy like Mungia who um, is big and strong and brave. Well, the thing is with Mungia is that if he doesn't improve. Um, and, and where he needs to improve, like Sal and I mentioned earlier in the show, is if he can't tighten up his defense. I mean, Smith was hitting him at will. Uh, the, the only reason why he didn't continue is because he was hitting back and uh, Smith had to you know, cover up and it was hard for him to throw punches when he was trying to protect his midsection. But the truth of the matter is, is Mugaya has no defense and he's awfully slow. 
I, I, to tell you the truth, Alex, he's pretty slow. And when you get to that upper echelon of fighters, uh, you know, he's going to have trouble. And, you know, he's only going to be 21 for you know, uh, the rest of this year, you know. And the older he gets, you know, uh, yeah, hey, 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 nothing gets by me, guys. He's only going to be 21 for one year. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is nothing, uh, you know, he's got to improve. Otherwise, you know, him being able to youth, it goes back to my favorite boxing essay, A Piece of Steak. And it's a, it's a story of youth versus age. And, you know, youth can certainly cover up a lot of uh, deficiencies in your game. But you only have youth so much. You gain experience, but then you lose the youth and you can't carry out what you learned from those experiences. So he's got to develop it. I don't know if he can get faster hands, uh, but he certainly can uh, can can get better defense. And that's that's got to be something he's got to work on, in my opinion, guys. That's one of the things that I think is going to be a little difficult for him, especially with Canelo, is um, Canelo's got crazy fast reflexes. Um, and Munguia seems a little bit slow in, like you said, getting his hands to the target and stuff like that. Um, so, But the, the plus is that he's so big and, you know, he's got that ability, like a Godzilla, to uh, absorb punishment. So, you know, it might balance out. So we'll have to see. I wonder if Canelo first got the idea of the tainted beef after he fought B.T. Smith. <laughs> I was wondering if there was a tainted beefy. A tainted uh, beefy Smith. Somewhere. Well, we'll see what happens next. Uh, he is a junior middleweight. Uh, there is a lot of talk that uh, he really is a middleweight. And, you know, he as long as he can uh, make the 154-pound limit, he's going to definitely be a tough out. I, I'd like to see him against uh, one of the twins. You know, the other, t- uh, you know. Um, he's another big junior middleweight. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the know, Charlo, the you, other I one, Charlo moved up. Fight, one Charlo I, moved I up. Charlo but, beat him. Yeah, what is Charlo? I mean, I mean, uh, the truth I of the matter is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what is Charlo? I mean, the truth of the matter is, the Charlo brothers—they've always been the monsters against smaller guys. Have they ever shown us the ability? You know, the the, the funny thing is, is everyone can look great against a, a an opponent that shouldn't be in the ring with them. Um, how good is Machado when we saw him fight Mensa? You know, I, I mean, you can't put a guy on a pedestal until he fights someone that's equal with their own uh, a skill set, and then they put on a performance like that. Then he gets put on, an, uh, on a pedestal, and they become an elite fighter. But listen, uh, Alex, we're running out of time. I wanted to ask you, you know... You heard my perception of the streaming and the way it's going. It, it seems to me that, um, you know, the promoter is aligning themselves with a specific streaming service, and we as a, a boxing fan slash consumer have to make the decision, are, are we going to jump in with all these promoters and sign up for all these different streaming uh, companies on a monthly basis to watch the fights or, or are we going to be forced into choosing sides just like uh, the promoters and the sanctioning bodies really and the networks I mean everybody's choosing a side you know in a nutshell they're all trying to be like Dana White's UFC they're all trying to have a league of their own watch my fighters on my streaming network we'll fight for our titles etc etc what's your thoughts on the way this is unfolding to us um, 
agree with you to an extent in that um, it is uh, disheartening to see uh, that everybody's hands out like that and that, um, you know, we're being nickel, di- nickel and dime to, get to death. But that's kind of true in every aspect of modern life. Um, so I guess it doesn't really surprise me that it's come to boxing, especially after the failure of the PBC's uh, desire to give boxing away for free. That just did not work. Um, you know, now maybe that was because of the way they did it. Um, because I, I like free boxing. Um, I didn't realize the Bella's uh, stream cost money. Um, I mean, I was there, so I didn't try to uh, yeah. get it. But I did go because when I was uh, got home last night and I was looking over my notes, I wanted to see if I could catch a replay of one of the rounds. And then I realized you had to go in and register. I didn't see that it charged you, but four ninety five, four ninety five. Yeah, see, that's if it if the prices stay under five bucks. Um, as much as yeah, it's unfortunate and it's uh, you know another obnoxious little task in modern life that you have to you know go through to do what you want to do, and that's watch boxing. But um, you know that's not as horrible as you know a, a, an eighty dollar pay per view. Um, you know, last night I think it's it's worth it in the sense that if these are fighters that mean something to you, five bucks is worth shelling out. Uh, if you can't get there, um, but you're right, it, it would be nice if, if they were free. But last night you would have seen a pretty good card. Uh, Eric Botcher was the matchmaker, and there were some pretty decent fights on that Broadway boxing show. One of them was um, uh, Hershedbeck Normatov versus Alexis Gaitan. Uh, Normatov is a guy, uh, an Uzbek. He's a, a was a tremendous amateur. It's very obvious in Uzbekistan. He fights out of Brooklyn, New York now. He is now 7-0 and with three KOs. He scored a freaky, scary last-round knockout of Alexis Gaitan, who is a brave, tough fighter who was also undefeated at the time. He picked up wow. his first loss last night. And it was one of those fights where Gaitan caught Normatov in the first round and seemed to stun him. So for the rest of the fight... You were kind of waiting, even though Normatov was outboxing him. Gaitan was right there in every round. He got cut. Uh, his corner did a great job stopping the bleeding, and uh, it was pretty dramatic going into that last round. You thought, well, Gaitan needs a really good round here, and he went went in, and it was a beautiful moment where Normatov, who's a southpaw, fired a left hook that sailed right over Gaitan's head. And Gaetan came up right at that moment to fire his own shot. But Normatov, you know, like a good fighter, doesn't always put, you know, if you're going to throw a shot, put one behind it, follow up. And he, with the follow-up right hook, wow, he knocked Gaetan out. It was a scary, one of the most freakish knockouts I've seen in like person. See, see now here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, and we're talking about the streams, okay? Um, uh, Lou DiBella charged four ninety five. And Alex, you said, well, you know, if you can't make it, it's it's worth it to pay four ninety five. Okay, great. But here's the point: those kinds of fights, and yes, you were treated to a good card. And I don't care who the matchmaker was. All right, the the the, the you were treated to a good card. But at the end of the day, it was a club show. All right, those club shows. If promoters weren't as greedy as they are, 
they would start to promote their fighters and make those fighters available, just like you witnessed ringside a great fight and all the rest of the people that were sitting at Foxwoods witnessed a great fight ringside. All those people that paid for a ticket, okay? Now, the way you get your fighter's name out there is you want as many sets of eyes as you possibly can see while they're fighting at this stage of the game. The guy's 11-0, and 0, the main event, all right? Uh, you want as many sets of eyes. And by charging $4.95, whether it's $4.95 or $2.95, people aren't going to say, oh, it's $6.95, I ain't paying 6 but I'll spend 3 No, that's not the case. It's not the case. What they need to do is give those fights for free. Get their guy, create some value, and then when it comes time to negotiate, Something that, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder is trying to do on a much larger scale but doesn't have the fan base. Maybe if more people knew who he was earlier on in his career, he would have a leg to stand on. That's how you promote, boys and girls. These guys are greedy. I'll bet you donuts to dollars that Lou DiBella didn't get as many views on that show as people were there watching it. I would bet anybody that that was the case, okay? So, uh, you know, it's not just the availability. My point with streaming is on a bigger scale with big promoters, Eddie Hearn's Matchroom match Sport, you know, uh, Top Rank on ESPN+, Plus, Golden Boy on Ring TV, etc., etc. Those fights, you're going to be forced to buy those services to watch those fighters. End of story. And I don't think it's fair to fleece the boxing consumer time and time again. And that's exactly what's happening. And if we have to start paying for club shows just to watch them because they're not available anywhere else, that's just as ridiculous, guys. That's my point. Good point. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, you know. I think it, you definitely have a good. You know, I mean, that that's all I'm saying. Anyway. I um, think that if. You're breaking up all of a sudden, Alex. <laughs> I guess we lost them. But, uh, uh, all right. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break here anyway. We're having some trouble with Alex's uh, connection. And uh, when we come back, I got some final uh, wow. thoughts on um, uh, some fights for next week. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And I just want to thank uh, my man Alex Papali. Uh, for uh, giving us his uh, thoughts and opinions, uh, we uh, we lost him uh, real quick, uh, uh, and that's one thing that uh, we are noticing uh, by doing uh, the show on Sunday mornings is that the uh, 
some of the bandwidth is getting choked out. But uh, in any event, next weekend we got a couple of uh, big fights. And although we told everyone we were going to be returning August 4th, uh, I lied. We'll be returning uh, next Sunday uh, because there's a big uh, couple of fights that I'm going to want to be talking about. First and foremost, uh, next week we got a real heavyweight fight between two real heavyweights that are actually fighting each other. Something Baby Miller uh, has yet to do. And honestly, something that Wilder has really only done once, and that was his fight against Luis Ortiz. Dillian White, who's uh, 23-1 and with 17 knockouts, he's currently ranked at number 8 in the world by the computer, is facing former world heavyweight champion Joseph Parker, who's 24-1, and his only loss coming at the hands of Anthony Joshua, with 18 knockouts. He's currently ranked at number 9. These two guys are getting in the ring. Uh, possibly the winner uh, would get a shot at uh, Anthony Joshua should Deontay Wilder fail to fight him in April. Uh, what's your thoughts on this particular fight, Sal? I think it's going to be a, a good competitive fight, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, definitely, definitely would love to uh, talk about it afterwards. So. It should be a good fight. It should be a pretty good fight. What, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, uh, first and foremost, Joseph Parker was the first fighter to ever go the distance with uh, Anthony Joshua. Correct. So we know that he's got some boxing ability. He fought cautiously um, and um, has said, uh, although he's not a trash talker, he has said that Dillian White uh, is going to meet a, a more vicious version of Joseph Parker. Now, Joseph Parker is a younger fighter. He's, he's, he's in his early 20s. Dillian White really um, was a guy that uh, I think, uh, you know, has shown, I think his best fight was his last one. So I, I love the fight. I love the fact that these two guys are fighting each other. Um, it's something that I've been cr complaining about in the sport of boxing for a long time, that fighters don't climb the ladder of contention to we earn their it. shot at a world title. You know, today, and Jarrell Baby Miller, not that he's my, he's my whipping boy today, but B Jarrell Baby Miller seems to be the type of fighter who all he has done is win, but he hasn't beaten anybody of note. And the truth of the matter is, is that how does a guy get a ranking as high as he has in those sanctioning bodies without beating a guy that was ranked ahead of him? I just don't understand it. He turned down a fight with Kubat Pulov. Didn't want to go to Bulgaria. But the truth of the matter was, it was an elimination fight. And the fight was went to purse bid. And the promoter that won it wanted to put it in Bulgaria because he could have made the most money for both of the fighters. Both Pulov and uh, Baby Miller could have made uh, career-high paydays by fighting in Bulgaria. Baby Miller decided not to. Instead, he decided to show up and talk smack at Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin uh, press conference. So I just don't understand how the powers that be. I give uh, how, how they let this happen. But I give Joseph Parker and Dillian White all the credit in the world for stepping in the ring against each other. That fight will be taking place next weekend. And uh, when we come back a week from today, uh, that'll be one of the fights that we'll be talking about. The other fight would be a... Um, a, uh, a lightweight unification fight uh, between Mikey Garcia and Robert Easter Jr. This is an interesting fight, Sal. Yes, Mikey I Garcia agree. had just moved up in weight at the junior welterweight title and won a title that he gave up 
to maintain his lightweight status. And he's fighting uh, Robert Easter Jr. Now, Mikey Garcia, uh, he's 30 years old, 38-0 with 30 knockouts. Love Mikey Garcia. There's, I, I love this kid. I, I love the fact that, you know, he wins fights because he does things the old-fashioned way. Sal, if you hit him three times, he's going to hit you back six or seven. That's how you That's win right. decisions. We both love him. Now, Robert Easter Jr., um, he's a, a, an undefeated fighter as well, 21-0 and 0 with 14 knockouts, a, a title holder as well. But I just don't think he's of the same uh, class as Garcia. However, Sal, even though this is both of these guys are world title holders, and even though they are both, um, uh, you know, fighting each other, unifying a title, check this out. The computer ranks Mikey Garcia at number two in the world at lightweight and ranks Robert Easter Jr. at number three. So here we're looking at two fights where the guys are actually ranked by the computer right next to each other. You can't ask for a more competitive no. fight than that, right? No, that's that's the way it should be. And uh, so we're oh, definitely, we have to look forward to that one because that's, that's going to be a good competitive fight. You know, here's the best part, and I don't know if you caught this. I know we've been uh, off for a little bit, bit, but Mikey Garcia um, has called out Errol Spence Jr. No way. And has said that he's 100% serious about fighting Errol Spence Jr. at welterweight. And he knows wow. that Errol Spence Jr. will be bigger than him on fight night. Because Mikey Garcia actually said that he walks around at a comfortable weight of between 148 and 152 pounds on a normal basis. Yes, he can drop down to 135 for fight night and fight at lightweight like he's going to next weekend. But he feels that he can easily fight comfortable at the 147-pound weight limit. He also knows that Errol Spence Jr. will be substantially bigger than him on fight night if this fight can be made. I think what this fight shows us, Sal, is that Mikey Garcia is a throwback fighter. This is a guy it. that doesn't care about weight classes. He goes no. up and down in weight like, you know, we put on and off our shoes. And the guy is successful at it. Remember, he's 38-0. and 0. He has never been beaten. To call out a guy like Errol Spence Jr., who many regard as the best welterweight in the world today, is nothing less than impressive, in my opinion. I hope Mikey Garcia takes care of business against Robert Easter Jr. No disrespect to Easter Jr., um, no. but I would love to see Mikey Garcia fight Errol Spence Jr., and I would love to see how that fight turns out. As much as I think Errol Spence Jr. is, is the class act, or definitely up in the top two of the welterweight division, I think I have a lot of faith in Mikey Garcia. I've seen this guy shock me time and time again, and I kind of really like that fight. What, what What do you think? I do like that fight. I, I do, but as you were describing it, all I could see, and, and there's probably no better fan of Roberto Duran than I, And uh, but I, 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 I almost see, uh, like the trilogy, I, I would see, uh, I would see uh, Mikey Garcia as the Duran, and I would see uh, uh, Spence as the Leonard. Not that that not, not that not that they are each of that equal, but because those were superstars. Uh, but I could see that type of fight where it could be an ebb and flow. And as we knew, the the surprise and the element of surprise, Duran caught Leonard the first time around. But after that, Leonard had his number. Um, I I could almost see that fight going. 
the distance, but I could also see Spence probably getting a good decision after that fight. But it would be a great fight, great fight, and I, I'm not one to call it right now because i got to look into it a little more. Oh, no. I, hey, listen, we got to see how Mikey— be a great fight. We, Phenomenal we, we, fight. Well, it's I, great. I, I just love the fact that, you know, Mikey Garcia seems to be a He's dying a breed— and a yeah. throwback because he challenges himself. You know, and Mikey yes. Garcia said when he when he held out and broke away uh, from his promotional contract, he said that he wants to fight the best, most challenging fights, that he wants to challenge himself. And so Gotta far, he's doing it, Sal. I mean, I yeah. mean, listen, to go to go from lightweight to junior welter back to lightweight. I mean, you know, the only guy that kind of did that successfully, not in those weight classes. But remember, Kel Brook went from welterweight to middleweight and then went back down. You know, uh, now he's campaigning at junior middle. But but still, you know, it, it's impressive to see a fighter go up in weight and then go back down. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see if the uh, Mikey Garcia and uh, Errol Spence Jr. fight gets made. Uh, Errol Spence Jr. does want to fight a unification fight, um, you know, with a Terrence Crawford. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, I think a fight in between, Terrence Crawford himself said we need to marinate this fight more, which I don't agree with. But a fight in between with Mikey Garcia would be really good. And uh, the big question is whatever happened to Keith Thurman, he's still MIA. Keith Thurman is... Uh, Who? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, he's he's really let the sport down and... Uh, another guy that I think is is making some really poor business decisions, uh, him and Deontay Wilder, uh, uh, passing up money. You know, it's almost like the, the, the LeVar Bell, who's a running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, was offered a $70 million deal and said no. He's a running back. Said no. And he's going to play for the Steelers for for the last year, I guess, as a, as a uh, franchise tag. I think he's making fourteen, less than fifteen million, fourteen point five or something, for this year. You know, it was a stupid business move because a contract. Now, whether or not I don't, I don't know the whole, uh, you know, ins and outs of of the contract, what was guaranteed, etc. But the bottom line is, he felt he could get a better, more lucrative deal after this year. And at that particular position in football, NFL football, running back, you're one knee injury away from uh, uh, from your career just just being over. Uh, I mean, just ask Terrell Davis uh, how it worked out for him, you know. But uh, uh, you know, sometimes these guys make some really stupid financial decisions. Al and um, you know, Keith Thurman is one in the welterweight division, and I'm standing strong believing that Deontay is making uh, some very poor business decisions uh, financially. You know, if it all works out that the kid ends up with a 50-50 deal against uh, Joshua, then, you know, I'll be looking like a fool. But uh, but I doubt it very much. Well, I, you know, and what you just said, Bill, is, is a valid truism. I mean, here here, it is, here we are. We, we see he would have gotten the shorter end of the stick. But, you know, like I was saying earlier, not that the past is going to be reflective of what he deserves to earn, but the bottom line is he is 50% of that partner that needs to get into the dance studio. And if that's going to be the, the, the deciding factor of getting these two guys in a ring, well, who are we to, to say, wow, the guy held out and now he's getting 50%. Uh, yeah, we would, we would love to see the fight this year. But um, like I said, 
it's it's all just uh, smoke and mirrors right now. What we have to see is the the stuff and not the fluff. So that'll be wait to be seen, and then we'll then we'll comment about it. Well, listen, boys and girls, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, uh, and uh, uh, I got uh, um, I got what? what? <laughs> Go ahead, Sal. What? What? Oh, thank you. I, I just raised my hand. Yeah, I, feel like I, I can't read. School. I can't read what you know it said. But anyway, go ahead. What? Hurry okay. up. All right, thank you. I just want to thank, you know, uh, this this great community I live in, the Golden Isles. We we have. I'm very excited, Bill. We have uh, tonight. You know, I did a movie last year called Christmas on the Coast, and uh, we have a very exciting event occurring tomorrow night in our little Saint Simon's Island movie theater. And tonight we have the producer of that movie, Gary Wheeler, uh, and, and his production, the INSP Network, uh, coming to the restaurant. I believe that's going to be also Jason White, the director, and a couple of other people. Uh, and Bonnie Bedelia was in the movie. A couple of other stars were in the movie. And, and I was honored by actually having a role in the movie and, and uh, some speaking lines, and which gave me the uh, opportunity to have my SAG, my Screen Actors Guild card, which I am now... Uh, part of and uh, but they're coming to the restaurant tonight and tomorrow night at the St. Simon's Island Movie Theater we're going to have a one night one show preview of the movie Christmas on the Coast so we're all excited and the movie's already sold out so so we're all excited about that that's going to happen tomorrow night at 7pm at the Golden Isles Movie Theater I just want to say a big thank you and shout out to the community that answered with the ticket sales going through the roof so uh, the Golden Isles does answer and uh, thank you, guys. I just want to mention that. Hey, I want to thank you for the invite, for coming with you. But, uh, no, I here. did. I sent you an invitation. Yeah, oh, geez. I, I guess I didn't get it. No. I got I, an I, extra ticket. Yeah, I, I, you know, I got an extra ticket. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's you, sold out, but I bought extra tickets. You just, once it's probably, it's probably in the mail. I know, I know. That was that damn post office. But anyway, hey, listen, boys and girls. Uh, make sure, make sure you tune in next Sunday, next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We will be here, and we want you to join us, too. And uh, what would be really nice is a couple of Super Chats next week. You know what I mean? But listen, uh, all in all, uh, tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na